self-development, magic, and yes, even the paranormal each week. But don't worry, we're not experts. No, but we are fascinated by this stuff and we'll walk through it right along with you. Bringing you practical woo since 2022, we'll cover everything from momming to the mystical. Because we're multidimensional. And you are too. Welcome to Multidimensional Mom. Hello and welcome back. I have a special guest for you today, Stephanie Curtis is an intuitive energy healer and guide, Reiki master, and the mystic behind Tangerine Sage Healing, as well as now a two-time guest of the podcast. (laughs) She provides both in-person and distance Reiki healing and multidimensional intuitive guidance customized to your unique energetic needs. Our last visit with Stephanie was episode 55, where we discussed Reiki, and she's back today to share some stories of spirits for our fun October content. Stephanie, thank you for coming back to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, this is certainly a season to talk about the spiritual realms of sorts. Yes. Very excited. Is And we're excited to have you. And this is why, folks, I recommend having your intuitives on speed dial because Stephanie (laughs) reached out today because she just felt a ping from her guides. And I had a cancellation for a guest today. And what a perfectly like worked out serendipitous Mm -hmm. interview that we're having. We talked a lot the first time I had you on about Reiki healing, energy healing, and how that works. And this time we're going to talk about some other things that you have sort of a toe into the pool of because you have that, that view of many things that a lot of us don't have. I want to start off just by talking about this concept of the veil. And when people say the veil is thinner over this season, what does that mean to you and how does that work? Well, the veil can come through in many different ways. In some ways, you can say it's like a different world of sorts, crashing of two worlds combining the world of perhaps different time periods in which we're living in, since there is no such thing as time. The veil thinning is an instance in which we can feel different time periods taking place within the present time that we are living in. You could also say the veil is thin through the spiritual world, the world of the unseen becoming more seen, perhaps seeing more apparitions, maybe hearing them or even feeling and smelling them. During this month of October, it does come through as a moment where the veil is thin as well, because so much focus is upon lives that are past. You have certain ceremonies that are traditionally taking place during the month of October, Halloween, Day of the Dead, Mm -hmm. All Saints Day. And it's really energetically significant because of the energy that we collectively put into it. I do believe when we as a collective put our focus on something, we allow it to come through. Sure. Just like maybe 
in the Christmas season or holidays, people yeah. are just like happier or nicer. Mm-hmm. We're all putting this focus as with anything with energy where the focus goes, the energy flows. So we're making yeah. it so. Definitely. And of course, there's so many different traditions that are coming through in this time celebrating lives that are past. Also, just the fact that with the change of season, the days getting shorter, the nights getting longer, there is this call to kind of look beyond what is beyond the darkness. What is unseen that I may potentially want to have be seen? Mm-hmm. I mean, let me tell you, I was just outside with my little one last night and we were putting up Halloween decorations which I have been told by my five and eight-year-olds are not scary enough last year. So now now we're making an effort to make them slightly scarier. They're still not scary. But there's an owl in our neighborhood and we see it at the top tree. It's just like hooting down the block. Mm. It's gotten dark early. I'm hanging up these lights and I'm like, wow, if there was ever a change in the season, I mean, like we're bringing it all to the forefront. Yes. And so I think energetically people are kind of doing that too. It's like, we're ready for it. Right. Yes. And a lot of people say too, um, I've had a lot of people in the spiritual community tell me that they believe that the veil is just getting thinner and thinner and it doesn't even matter the months. They're just saying, oh, wow, no, it's already been thinner as is with the climate, with many changes within the earth, uh, discoveries within the cosmos, even just different things about the earth. Uh, I read somewhere that the earth is now apparently spinning faster And that the axis of the earth itself is shifting. And a lot of people believe that due to these changes, uh, the veil itself is just getting thinner because there's so much energetic change taking place. Like you said, you feel it. It's really intriguing stuff. I do find it interesting that you um, said you heard an owl and that just really sparked the attention to feeling the change. Yeah. That's very interesting. Well, they're so haunting and they're, uh, there's a bunch <laughs> yes. in our neighborhood. And when they're right there, you're like, wow, quite quite the performance. Yes. It's, a, it's really cool around here. Um, so like the ozone, our veil is getting thinner. Yep. Um, so that's, <laughs> you as an intuitive are very sensitive to spirit contact. A little bit about your history. You've lived in Virginia and Tennessee. You've lived in the Appalachian regions. The reason that we are talking about the Appalachian spirits in this episode, you've even lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is known as, I mean, such a point of history. Can you share some stories with us? Some ghostly apparition Appalachia type stories with our listeners about things that you have experienced given where you've come from. Oh goodness. I guess I'll start from the very first experiences just to put it out there. These happened like the very first ghost stories of sorts happened when I was really young and happened at a time where when you're so young, you don't even realize you're seeing ghosts. You just sure. think they're just like everybody else. Like, yes, mm-hmm. their outfits may be different. Yes, they may be doing very peculiar things amongst everyone else. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, that's cool. This woman's bringing a basket of something and leaving <laughs> it on this mound. And when it really started happening, 
for me as a kid. I can't really mark it because it felt so normal for me. It felt just like this is what people do. And I think that experience as a kid, there's something sweetly innocent about it where when you look at something through the eyes of being a kid, there is that innocence of looking at things plainly and not putting sort of energetic emphasis of fear on it, but just looking at it as it is in its own moment. And I think that's the real beauty of when you come upon having a ghost experience, having a spiritual experience of sorts where there may be some apparitions or some sort of activity that you are not used to. So it really began when I was a kid and we would be on our way going to school and I would just be looking out the window and I would see these random women all dressed up in their dresses all looking beautifully elaborate and taking baskets to this one stone site, which apparently was a memorial for lives that were lost during the Civil War. And I would ask my dad, I'd be like, why are these women crying? What's happening? They keep going back and forth. And my dad was like, what? What are you talking about? I don't see anything, but you're fine. Just it's okay." And I mean, he's from New England, so very much of like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's all okay. (laughs) And then I would just keep telling him, like, it's at that same field, the same women always at that field. And this field was eerie. We're talking high grass. It's in that part of Virginia where you get really tall weeds growing and it's gold and wind, especially during around October in the fall season, the sun comes through and the light shines and it kind of sways very eerie. And this area happened to be close to where the Battle of Bull Run happened to take place. Wow. Okay. So... In the moments of going to school and then going to see my sister after school, because I was also really young. She sometimes stayed after school and I would go with my mom to pick her up. And I just remember driving through the area with my mom. And then there would start to be moments where I would see horses in the streets. And I would tell my mom and my dad, I'm like, there's a horse there. You can't drive there. And like, what are you talking about? There is no horse there. It was in these moments where I started to realize my parents couldn't see this. Right. You start to distinguish. Wait. Okay. So if I can see it and they don't. And you have memories of this. Yes. Do you remember like what they looked like? Did they look different than just a horse standing there? Was it ghostly at all? Was it, did it seem like a little bit different to you or you were just like, no, it's a horse there? The best way I can describe it that I have seen it and I've even seen ghosts recently. Amazing. Is that we want to looks- hear all about it. <laughs> <laughs> is that they look like they're in, it's, it's very much where when you say the veil before, there mm-hmm. does look like it's a thin veil. Okay. Their body themselves a thin veil yeah slightly like over it interesting yes okay but you can recognize that someone is there and in some ways it may look like a i think it's called sepia i don't know if i said okay that right. a sepia 
filter. It kind of looks like that too. Okay. But that's how present they can be. And that's how physically apparent they can be. And does it surprise you anymore? Or like you've been doing this your whole life. It never went away for you. So you're just kind of like, okay, there's a ghost in front of my front door. Mm -hmm. Let me just walk around. Like it doesn't take you by surprise. You don't try to engage in communication. It's just sort of something that exists for you. There have been moments where I I did want to engage and communicate because I could tell it was a family member that was passed. But there were other times too where I was just like, eh, this isn't your home anymore. Okay, let's go. Let's redirect your energy. Because sometimes you'll have, especially if you're tapped in, if you do that kind of work, you may come with moments of just being introduced to one, I guess you could say, because they feel that perhaps you can be the one to kind of navigate them. To see them. Um, yeah, yeah. There are moments in which, I mean, it's come to the point where it, it's really no surprise to me. And it just keeps getting less and less of a surprise. Of course, it's scary. It's not scary for what it is. It's scary in the sense of it's unexpected. Yes. It's like, I mean, recently in New York, we had all the flooding. It's scary. Like you wake up and you see water dripping from your ceiling. That's the kind of scare. Just like unexpected. Being like, okay, what do I got to do? And that's very <laughs> much. You again. Yes. Now what? Yeah. It's it's a whole thing. Have you ever had somebody in your space, like within your home growing up or now where you were like, all right, you need to move on because this is my space and I don't know who you are. Mm, Yes. That has happened all throughout my childhood, all throughout my teen years and even in my adult life. And as an energy worker now, I feel very blessed to understand, to know how to navigate the energy to leave. And I also feel really blessed to know that I am in human form. And when you acknowledge that you're in human form, the form that if that sort of ghost wanted to, you know, kind of poke you in a way, that's something that is important to acknowledge that you are in physical form and they are not. So automatically you have more power just because of that. Now, don't get too egotistical. There's also a matter of respect depending on where you're living. Let's say it's an environment you've lived in for a very long period of time and nothing like that's happened and it feels like a very outside energy. Yes, by all means, do what you have to do to allow the energy to leave. But when you're entering in a home where that spirit has lived, there is a certain kind of, I guess you could say, dance of respect. Yeah, it's like a pecking order. Like this was yours first. Exactly. Pecking order is a great way of putting it. As a kid living in Southwest Virginia near the Appalachian Trail, my family moved into a house that was fairly new and it was built pretty recent and they had no idea that the home was built on top of a Native American burial ground. Oh, that's a big thing. Yes. To not know. Yes. My sister found it out in school one day with her friends, like researching for a class project, Native American history within where we lived. 
they were just like her and her friend. Oh, oh, we live. Oh, we live there. We right live. There. Um, I believe it's either the Siouan or the Cherokee Native American okay. tribe. Very inter- interesting experiences in that house. Um, okay. What type of thing did you experience in the house? Like, was it Native feeling? Was it visions? Was it just eerie things would happen? Or, you know, once you were given that knowledge of, okay, this is like right by a burial ground, what kinds <laughs> of things did you experience there? For me, I always looked at it as um, very connected to Native American ancestry, Native American. Um, just it had the energy, a very sacred ceremonial energy. A lot of what I had experienced was so different from my family members. And a lot of what I chose to do when I was a kid living there was also very different. There was a moment in time where my parents thought I would be a mortician because when I was a kid, of course, like any other kid, uh, I had Barbie dolls and I'd play with them. And then my sister and I, as we were, we would just do funny things like have them go bungee jumping. And then let's say one of our dolls falls to the ground and, you know, there goes its leg because gravity and a plastic doll does that. And your Barbies were thrill seekers. Yeah. Mine were not. They were in hot tubs and at hot dog stands, but yours were thrill seekers. Indeed, they really <laughs> were. And then we would give them tattoos. We would glam them all up, awesome. cut their hair. But then when they died, I took it very seriously. I was like, okay, it's time. And then I would wash them. I would then put them in the freezer, not knowing that was something people did. And then I would go ahead with my sister and we would have an elaborate funeral in our front yard and we would have music and whatnot. And it would be very sacred. And I would do this quite often to where I would also plant flowers in the area. And my mom and dad at this point, after having grown up in Fredericksburg, being like, well, it's just Stephanie. So she may be a mortician. And here she is just burying Barbie dolls, having funerals. You know, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Exactly. That's amazing. So they notice that you're doing these like more ceremonial things, which really Mm. begs the question, where's the Scorpio in your chart? Because I feel like, (laughs) I feel like they're maybe quite a bit of it. So you're treating it more as a ceremony and doing these things. They're like, oh, maybe she's got like an appreciation for, you know, the funeral Mm. sciences. You just kind of got it on a different level, it seems. Mm. And maybe that you've always gotten it in that way. And just exacerbated by the fact of, you know, where you lived. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because there are things like Mm -hmm. folklore, the Blue Ridge Mountain area. Um, In fact, I I pulled a little quote from BlueRidgeOutdoors.com today when prepping for our interview. It's not surprising that a 480 million year old mountain range would inspire legends of unexplained animals darting through the darkened forest or strange and ghostly apparitions appearing in the night sky. Because the Appalachian Mountains are home to all kinds of ghost folklore. I mean, Mothman, Bigfoot, the witch, the Flatwoods monster, all these sorts of different tales, creatures. Given your knowledge of the region, 
Have you experienced anything in relation to those tales or was it just sort of something people talked about where you lived or is it just sort of the land itself that gives off that eerie feel? Yes. Um, And there's one thing that really stood out and that was whistling. And there's a saying, if you hear the whistling in the woods, do not whistle back. That's the bell thing, right? That's what I was told. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So. And did you hear that? The whistling? I heard the whistling a lot as a kid. And I heard it in Fredericksburg. And I heard it in Marion. There's something very interesting. And in going back to the burying of the dolls. My friend, who is of Cherokee, Native American ancestry um she has it within her background and i told her this and she said that i was reburying the souls and by doing so i was allowing a certain level of respect and awareness to come through because i was giving each of the souls a proper burial which would also go to say perhaps that's why we really just made them so beautiful before we put them to rest. Now, with the whistling in that area, there would be nights where it'd be so windy, but there would also be a distinct difference between the wind of trees and the wind of a whistle, like a whistle you'd hear. Uh And in this house, there would be nights where I felt like I was being buried alive and I could barely sleep very eerie stuff and then came the night where the ac was off the lights were flickering pretty much all week where i found myself in a state of asleep and awake where i felt my body moving physically sitting up laying down sitting up laying down and then i keep hearing someone saying in order to pass you must look at the woman and I didn't really understand what was going on and then there was the moment of just feeling a presence and seeing a dark red and a dark orange and a part of me believes that what I saw in the doorway was a presence warning me it we had to go we had to leave and not really feeling control in my body. I feel as though something's within me. And I look to my doorway and I see this figure. The figure was a, of a woman, very strong, very much of just a leader of sorts. She had certain weapons in her hands and was capable of destruction. And when I saw it, of course, you're like, oh my gosh. How old were you and, at this time? Oh, I was about... 14. Okay. It was thrilling, but also extremely scary. Mm-hmm. But there was a certain sense of, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to listen to you. And, and then it's just very much of like, it's time to go. It's time for you all to go. Once I got the message, the whistling had calmed down. And I do believe that perhaps that spirit was letting me know of some force that might have been trying to come through. Spirits that were around and within the house were saying, okay, we choose to protect. We have a very limited amount of time because rightfully so, this is not your, these are not your grounds. Interesting. Yeah, we so, can only hold it off for so long. 
Yes. And after I told my parents that story and my sister, of course, agreeing with me, because she even had moments where she would go on the hallway and she'd be like, who's making all that noise? And she would see an arm sticking outside of my door. Wow. And would just be like, was that you? I saw someone's arm look like a man's arm. But was that your arm? Yeah. Uh, but after telling my parents that, I, I, I don't know if that's why we chose to move, but I do believe that subconsciously the message did also go to them and it led it led for change for us to move on. And perhaps it was more of like the next family that meant to live there was meant to live there. Interesting. So I do believe that when you are in areas that are considered to be haunted, considered to be guarded by certain spirits, there are also other spirits giving you kind of like a, hey, Hints. you got to yeah. go now. Yeah. Watching out, protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's very mystical. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like there are spirits also that are there just protecting the land? Oh. Like, have you just felt a different tone than you do where you live now? I believe where spirits are, to them, it is sacred land. I I honestly feel as though every spirit that is present within a space is there for a reason that could perhaps be protection. Perhaps they have something there that they cannot part with. So they are going to protect it for all that they can. I also do believe that each and every part of that folklore is a spirit protecting something of some significance that's connected to. Have you ever seen a fairy? So I think the feelings of being in the presence of a fairy really come through when you're a kid. Sure. Because you're so open to it. And there were very magical moments as a kid living in Fredericksburg, going in nature and allowing myself to just kind of find the path, the trail. I do feel feel as though the fairies leave little paths. And of course, anytime when I'd have this moment of feeling the presence of a fairy and following it as a kid, I always lost something. There is always something I lost in the process. So I was like, funny. I guess it wasn't mine to have forever. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, they could have taken it. Oh, definitely. Okay. So given where you've lived, I mean, especially knowing those very <laughs> historical places, but I'm even more interested in sort of like that Virginia and like or Blue Ridge Mountain area. Are those mythologies that folklore is there any credence to it or are people like so over it in that region are they like oh yeah bigfoot or (laughs) is there really talk about it like is there anything that people like believe or don't believe in that area as far as like bell witch bigfoot mothman any of that stuff a lot of it's actually unspoken Uh, i think social media has really allowed it to come to more into life but From my experience, having grown up there, that wasn't really something you would talk about a lot. It was just kind of an understood thing. You don't go into the Appalachian woods by yourself. (laughs) Um, If you for many reasons, yeah, I mean, really, yeah, it's like very much of just a practice of common sense. And a lot of people who have lived there all their life grew up there. They have a keen sense of awareness that I think a lot of people underestimate. And a lot of it is just, if it's not yours, don't bother it. If it's not meant for you to engage with, don't engage with it. 
you respect the animals, you respect the area. It's very much just like a common understanding that these things can be around, that they are present. Uh, but it's very unspoken in some ways. So you know people recognize it because of how certain things are done. Uh, you'll see some people um, living in certain areas, especially in more of the mountainous areas. You'll see wind chimes. You'll see just wow. very specifically placed things where you start to kind of gather. They know something's up. They're they're in tune. Uh, people put horseshoes on their door, not just for good luck, but for protection. But a lot of it, when I was a kid growing up, was really unspoken. It was just sort of something that you already knew. It's not my business. You know, if someone else is dealing with an apparition, <laughs> well, that's not my business. You know, I'll yeah, just there's an the attitude there, right? Yeah. yeah. Like if it's not your business, it's not your business. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting as well, because in the South, there is sort of, you know, you think everyone knows everybody's stuff. But in many ways, there's also a certain level of respect when it comes to knowing everything about the spiritual world. A lot of people in that area, too, are very Christian. So they will take sure. their practices of Christian belief and apply it to creating boundaries of protection. And in my mind, I'm like, if it works for you, it works for you. Because at the end of the day, from my experiences, what keeps the mind sane in these moments is what gives you that little oomph of power and allowing you to really claim your space, your energy. That's what a lot of people do in those areas. They they find their own way of claiming their own space and energy. That's good for anybody. I mean, yeah. that's a beautiful note to end on because that's just sound good advice as far as energy goes. Yeah. Claim your space, be comfortable in your own energy, make it yours. And if it's not your business, it's not your business. It's not. Do I still want to know about Bigfoot? Yeah, I kind of do. But that's okay. I've actually heard more about Bigfoot appearances in near around uh, Appalachia Mountains going more north where i'm from in like the south area that was more of like the bell yeah. witch perhaps cool. mothman yeah, yeah um, mothman's like what like west virginia i want to say yeah west, west virginia is a weird place oh oh my god yeah if i could leave with anything i would say <laughs> you are staying in a cabin in west virginia do not leave your window open do not do not leave your window open. You will hear some of the most bizarre stuff in the woods. I did that. I regretted wow. it. Next time I go, I'm going to bring a sound yeah. machine because <laughs> I don't want to hear it at all. As a medium, I don't need it <laughs> too much. Yes. Well, you're amazing. We love having you on here. And I so appreciate you coming back to talk to us about this spooky stuff. Can we go over? where people can find you and what you can offer them. Of course. So you can find me on Instagram at Tangerine Sage Healing and Tangerine Sage. You're also on TikTok as the same. Yes, I am as a Tangerine Sage Healing on TikTok. So, and you offer in-person 
and distance Reiki healings, personal guidance, intuitive sessions. In person, you're in Astoria in Manhattan. Yes. So right now I am currently, you can work with me in Astoria, Queens. You can also work with me in Manhattan. I work in my private studio in Astoria, Queens and Sacred Space Astoria. And in Manhattan, I work at Essentia Healing Center. Amazing. So Tangerine Sage Healing, watch her on Instagram and TikTok. And you do Reiki healings just there online. I mean, people can receive Reiki by just watching your content. Oh, yeah. And just wanted to say, too, if you want to book a session with me, go to my website and I believe you can get 30% off of your first sessions. So Amazing. Feel free to check it out. And that will come up when you go to tangerinesagehealing.com. Yes. That's okay. a deal that I provide. We love that. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Thank you. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.